Welcome to Pharma Talk Radio. I'm Valerie Bowling. In this podcast, we share a session from the DFARM 2018 event where Bear shared how they used virtual assistants and chatbots to support study teams, research sites, and patients. This session was presented by Michelle Shogren, Bear's Head of Innovation, Portfolio, and Operations. When you have a chance, Check out the keynotes for DFARM 2019, which is taking place September 17th and 18th in Boston. DFARM is an innovation event specializing in clinical trials, and Bears Michelle Shogren will also be presenting at the 2019 event. So enjoy this podcast with Michelle Shogren. So I'm excited to come to you today and to talk virtual in a virtual environment that might mean something completely different than some of the other things we've talked about so far today and even yesterday in the mobile and clinical trials piece. Um, so let's just start with that term virtual and let's level set it for what I'm going to be talking to you about today. So this is kind of like a virtual me, right? How many of you guys use Bitmoji or have seen Bitmoji before? Yeah, several, right? It's starting to show up every place. You know, you can do it in texting. You don't have to just do it in their app, which it started with. You can add it into um, lots of different social interactions, whether that's Snapchat now or maybe even Tinder for some of you people. Um, so it, it's really growing, and that's a virtual representation of a person. So that might be virtual, right? Um, but there's other things that are virtual. Maybe it's somebody on the other side of a phone that is not really face-to-face -face with you. They're virtually in the same room with you though, right? Or maybe it's a robot or an Alexa or it's a chatbot that's working with you, right? All of these things are virtual in my context for today, all right? So we're trying to figure out at Bear how can we leverage that and whether there's really any benefits in it. Um, I always challenge my team, let's talk benefits before we talk challenges. So let's kind of talk about is there benefits in having a virtual assistant of some form or fashion in our clinical trials. So first of all, we hear that patients and trials expect something similar to what they have in the rest of their lives, right? So if we have easy access when we're in our bank account and it pops up, would you like to chat with a banker? You know, why couldn't we have that? If we already are deploying an app for a clinical trial, would you like to chat with a study nurse? Or would you, you know, do you need some help or something like that? You know, they would expect something like that would be available because they see it other places. There's also um, some research that tells us that people in general like instant gratification or instant information. Everything's at our fingertips now, right? You know, we can Google just about anything and find it out right away. But when it comes to a clinical trial, can we do that? No, right? It's, it's generally not necessarily going to be available on the almighty Google. So how do they get information when they need information? Um, also, the same thing goes for our sites. You know, they might need to have information and things right away. They have a patient sitting in front of them. My background, I wore several different hats. You know, I started out as a research nurse working with patients. Um, so I have that kind of connection. I was also a site director and a marketing director for a clinical research site. So I have that connection. I did operations for a while. I've been in the business now for over 20 years. So 
um, a lot of the pieces that have opportunities, I've been there, done that. I've also been a patient in a clinical trial. My mom's currently in a clinical trial. My dad tried to be in a clinical trial, but he was too much of a train wreck. So they said, eh, sorry, not happening. So I do have touch points, but through my job, we're also doing lots of polling of the audience, you know, talking to patients, talking to sites, talking to study teams. What do you need? What do you want? And these are some of the things that we're seeing. So while I do mention about patients, it's also other customers, right? And we have this desire, at least at Bear, and I'm thinking you guys probably have it too, is to change how we were looking at the participation in clinical trials and joining the patients in their journey instead of keep trying to bring them into our journey all the time. And this might be one way that we can do that. So we have an opportunity now to start preparing for the future when we're gonna get to those standard all digital trials, right? They're gonna need help, they're gonna need access, they're gonna need information, and they're gonna need it quickly and expect it quickly. So there are lots of opportunities there. Um, how are we going about experimenting with this? So part of my job is to know all kinds of different innovation methodologies. Design thinking's a great one, whether it's also systematic inventive thinking, six thinking hats, lean, agile, whatever. But in this case, we're using the design thinking approach. So we're really trying to understand what the problem is, what's needed out there, right? What, what's the pain point? And that helps us identify potential benefits to doing something. Then we understand our users based on that. In this case, we've identified three different users. We have our patients, right? They need help trying to figure out what's what and which way is up and which way is down sometimes. Um, but we also have our sites because um, they are struggling all the time trying to get information in a quick format and their monitor might be flying all over the place and can't answer a question right away, right? But then there's also the study team that they might need some help too. You know, sometimes we neglect them on one hand because we're so focused on the external customer. So what can we do to help them? So then we have some chance to do some ideation. So we do innovation workshops where we bring people together from different backgrounds and you know, we really turn things upside down you know, through different techniques and brainstorming and, you know, and really throwing weird things at them and saying, okay, incorporate a cake into your answer or you know, something silly, which sometimes can come up with some really cool stuff. And then from there, we have to get to the prototype piece where we can really visualize what's going on and share it with other people and say, are we on the right, you know, right track? And does this make sense? And should we go forward um, with something else? And maybe we might have to do some iteration or something like that before we get it to go live. So we had an opportunity to do that. And through the innovation session, we had a lot of different opportunities come up. So um, there's the chance just to have a check base. You know, can I help you with something just randomly? Um, like they do on the internet when you're surfing Amazon or whatever. Can I help you with this? Do you need some help there? Um, or there's a, a chance to do regularly scheduled interactions potentially as well. You know, how you feeling today? What's going on with you? Or, hey, do a diary for me and we can do it virtually. You can talk to me instead of having to write something down or to capture it that way and what does that look like? Um, also great opportunity to remind people about things. Hey, don't forget you have a doctor appointment today at four o'clock. Um, make sure you bring your study medication with you. You know, so there's opportunities that way as well. 
And we can also set up goals and then they can create a tracking, then that's an assistant for them too that's more personalized and individualized because that's another big thing is we have to quit thinking a one-size-fits-all approach works because it doesn't. People are individuals no matter what category they fall into. So anything we can do that can help with some individuality could be a cool thing. And then there's even options to say, hey, remember that reminder we were talking about that they had an appointment at 4 o'clock? Do you need a ride? Maybe we put a little button in there and they can arrange for Uber or something like that, right? That could be interesting. So lots of opportunities out there. But I love this. The struggle is real, people, all right? Every time we had a good idea, we had legal or we had regulatory or we had somebody else say, oh, but wait, 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 wait. What about this? What about that? What about data privacy? And what about scalability? Can you be able to do this for lots of different studies all over the time? Um, or is it something that's going to have to be special and take months and months on end to create? Um, and it, we found out that mm, not necessarily. It doesn't have to be bad. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be crazy. But you do have to think differently about it. Um, there are also opportunities out there now that we can tap into, like natural language processing and understanding, um, to help us on the journey and change it from a scripted interaction to potentially to have um, conversational AI, which does open more potential challenges. I will admit, because IRBs want to know exactly what you're going to say and when you're going to say it and how you're going to respond. And if we leverage some AI, there's a chance that that could be questionable. But we did find some interesting ways around that. Um, so what did we find out, right? We found out when we first started the process, we were trying to do something like the Alexa thing, you know, um, or our Google Home thing where they could have something and they could just talk to it. And we said, oh, you know what? That doesn't really work so well because it's not really compliant. You know, there's lots of data privacy concerns and issues. But now there is new technology out there and companies and vendors that can help you that have a controlled situation, you know, so they could still have that environment. It's not with an Alexa that they have in their home. It might be a special little machine, but you can do it. It's now there. So we started this journey, I guess, probably two years ago, and that's occurred now over this two-year period of time. Um, we also found out that there are lots of different offerings around chatbots and virtual assistants that are out there already. Um, and you can create your own pretty easily, too. Uh, I found uh, two weeks ago, I went to a design thinking summit here in Boston, and I actually got introduced by somebody else um, to landbot.io, which was really cool. It's great for prototyping to pitch an idea to a study team, like this is what it could look like if you were helping your um, sites or you're helping your patients. So you could do it very quickly. Now, granted, it may not have everything, but at least you can do it fast. And then they have things behind the scenes to do something more elaborate. But I mean, there's lots of things out there. That's just one that I just found out about. I like to share little apps or whatever. Um, and then we also actually took it and said, OK, let's make a prototype. Let's show somebody what this could look like. So one use case that we prototyped was tumor assessment support for sites. So we're doing clinical trials. There's lots and lots of them out there that have to say, OK, this is how you look at your, um, your imaging. This is what you need to pull. This is what you're going to need to respond with and things like that. It can be very confusing from time to time, especially if things move around. So we created a bot um, that is a version of a virtual assistant, right? 
that could help and it would give them all of this information and help them figure out how to enter that then into the EDC system with the goal that potentially in the future we could integrate that and by answering the questions on the bot, it zaps it into the EDC. That'd be great, right? So we, got, we did that. We also um, prototyped one that was on like an iPad and you could talk to it and it would respond back. But well, it didn't work out so great. <laughs> it was a little bit problematic and choppy and, and kind of funny. So now we're on an iteration project for that. So hopefully we'll get that going and we'll be able to share back with you um, pretty soon. We also looked at the internal team and another one that came out of the tumor assessment help for the sites was for the medical experts because they were having to do all these calculations and things like that to see, okay, is it a partial response or is it something else? And they were able to answer some questions. It would go out, it would pull information, bring it back in and be able to help support with answers. Um, so that was really nice too. So there's lots and lots of opportunities out there so I really my call to action for you guys is go back and think about where something like this could be helpful and don't be afraid to try something with it because it's really um, a good opportunity we're currently looking for a pilot study we have a goal of doing a sub study using a virtual assistant with our patients um, unfortunately it's not going to be the conversational AI we got to start a little bit slower and it's going to be a scripted one that is there to help with different things um, but our goal is is to look and see, you know, with surveys and stuff, is there, you know, uh, appreciation from patients for this? Do they like it? Do they not like it? Do they think it's a cumbersome thing? Or do they feel more supported, hopefully? That's what we're, our hypothesis is, but we're all scientific, so we know we have to test hypotheses. Um, and then from there, we're also curious to see if it has any role in retention, right? Do, if the patients feel more supported, if they feel more informed, do they stay in the study longer, right? Um, so I don't know what it'll turn out. Hopefully maybe next year I get to come back and share with you exactly how that turned out. That would be pretty cool. Um, but we, that's undergoing and we have the support to kind of move forward with that. Um, and we also have created a chatbot community um, at Bayer because across all areas there's an opportunity to have virtual assistants and um, to tap into ways to dive into data and to pull it to support people quick and easy. And that's really what a virtual assistant's about is something quick and easy. Um, so I think that with that being said, we have something that's really driving us forward that has a chance to have real opportunity. And um, I can't wait to come back and share with you exactly how our study turned out and what happened. And if any of you guys are already using it um, somewhere, I would love for you to catch up with me and let's share notes and ideas and things like that. Maybe we can help drive it further and faster. We hope you enjoyed the podcast from DFARM 2018. DFARM 2019 takes place September 17th and 18th in Boston, with a full day dedicated to mobile and R&D on September 16th. For more information, visit theconferenceforum.org. Thanks, everyone.